the fucking cheats. Hey, Some of that, that's me. And the box for eBay again. They're cheating bastards, they're paying everybody. Thanks. From the core right there at the top. And the score went against me. It's the shambles, to be honest. I don't, I don't, I don't even care what I'm saying now. Like, probably just blabbering on, but. Now I feel like I'm going back like a loser. No, I'm not a loser, I'm a winner. And, and, and today just, just showed how corrupt this. this uh, Organization okay. is. Uh, welcome back to another edition of the Power Podcast. This week I'm joined by Birdie. Hey, how's it going? 40. Hey, 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 hey. And Ham? Present. <laughs> present. President. Pres- no, just present. <laughs> <laughs> um, so back to Controversy Corner um, <laughs> after last week. You've got a bit of education. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not a bad, not a bad take on it. I like it. Hands on your heads. Right. It's just suction hands on your heads. Seriously, nah. That's enough of that. I did see hands on hands yesterday. That's pretty funny. We're, we're positivity corner. That's what this is. This is what this podcast is. Oh yeah, yeah. Lighting the candle to curse the darkness. Um, so talking about lighting candles. First match of the round last week was the Guildford Owls getting a win twenty four over the East Campbelltown Eagles, um, which keeps the Owls up there in the race for a final spot in the Shield. I didn't know Campbelltown uh, was big enough to have an East and West. I, as far as population is concerned, that's impressive. East side, west side. Man, C-Town. C-Town has east and west. Big enough for it's, the C-Town It's got massive. a gang problem that's bigger than um, Crips and Bloods. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there was a buy in the Ron Massey Cup and then over into the flag. And fortunately, a loss over in New Zealand, 34-18. to 18. Um, You, of course, got over there, Ham. Yeah, Ham. Uh, yeah, got a uh, quick flight over and back. Um, not good. <laughs> yes, That's all I can um, report. So um, all, all of um, yeah, it's a, it's a repeat of what's happened this season. They were down twenty two six at half time, um, but try scorers Siani Fenua, Valence Harris, and Jesse Cronin. Um, as you've touched on this um, year, I can see error, 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 eels, error. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not good. Um, so unfortunately, not living up to uh, the the sum of the parts are less than no, sorry, are more than the total. Yeah, I mean, yeah. for the first sort of six weeks of the season, we'll give them, willing to give them a lot of leeway because they had a, like a huge either injury toll or you know the best players playing up in high grades. And that second part still rings true, but they've gotten back a lot of reinforcements, and unfortunately, they just haven't been able to curb that discipline and handling issue, and it's it's just dogged them every game. So it's frustrating, but. Uh, we we always knew it was going to be a longer year for the um twenties, given you know that the premier talent is playing in either reserve grade or NRL, and it is what it is. And then on to the um, curtain race of the Canberra Cup, which was Wentworthville going down uh, to the Warriors twenty two to thirty. Um, they were in a commanding position at one point, um, and then uh, yeah, I, I don't know what happened there. They just completely bottled it. Um, with oh, well, the try scorers Will, Will Andrew Smith. Davey, Jamin Salmon, Andrew Davey with the second, and Darice Miller. Will Smith and Josh um, Bergman probably bottled it to be more accurate. Yeah. True. Um, <laughs> Will, Will Smith, uh, Bergman with that yeah attempted tackle. Just um, oh sorry, no, he tried yeah, to knock it dead. He tried Is to that knock right? it dead. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he tried to. Completely so he did. He did what that Panthers player did, which yeah. Penrith. Uh, Twitter then tried to say was downward pressure. <laughs> yeah, with hands clearly underneath the yeah. ball. Seriously, yeah. how dumb can you get? In a, in a week full of controversial refereeing, that was like a black and white correct call there. 
The yeah. one player had his hands on top of the ball. One player was trying to scoop it from underneath. Which one's got down pressure? Do you think? <laughs> yeah, that's that's bad. Sorry, on to to the Magpies. Yeah, I was gonna, yeah I was just about to say nearly as bad as uh, when his halftime collapse. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like again, there were some really good performers. Yeah, uh, Stefano made Andrew forty-one Davey, tackles. Stefano missed one, made ninety meters off ten runs or something. So. A big game from young Stefano there. Salmon had a really good game. I thought um, uh, there was a pass he threw in the first half out to cut out to Lelissiwau. I thought it was, you know, very good halves pass there to find the space. And if uh, we had a better winger on the right wing, probably that, Well, that, that's the other thing we'll probably should be mentioned is that at some point in the game, the Warriors realized that they could just kick the Greg Lelissiwau and it was like an automatic knock-on. And they yeah, like or two just or like just... Or you don't even have to yeah. jump to contest yeah. it because he has to jump his height to get any put normal normal winger's height. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that wasn't that wasn't a good watch. Um, Andrew Davey had his best game I've seen him play. He's had solid games previously. Um, but I think it was the first try he went over. He stepped the fullback. Uh, yeah, he, he had a sick inside line that split the front um, front line of the fence. And then he did like an out and in on the fullback and just went straight past him. It was pretty gorgeous. Yeah, he had a really good game, um, Andrew Davey. And uh, Will Smith had a good first half. And we saw that um, swap between him and Jamin Salmon with about 20, 25 minutes to go. Uh, didn't work out this time. And um, and I think Liam Mulverhill eventually come on to play in the halves. And uh, Will Smith then went to... Dummy half. It was a very, very confusing change, and yeah, you shouldn't be changing your spine, especially when it was uh, working. That's, that's unnecessarily. The but it was, it was working, and then it wasn't. Yeah, and they changed it. Yeah, I, I, I didn't understand that. I thought they could have just easily rolled, uh, rolled with four forwards on the bench, and yeah, it, it, it yeah, it wasn't not, it wasn't good. All right. Well, we'll get to the NRL um, first grade game, which saw Eels come out victors twenty four to twenty two over the Warriors. Um, you've read about it. Um, you've read it, read about it everywhere. Um, the controversy with the four officials being uh, relegated. Both Scott apparently was in the the bunker. Oh, yes, um, the yeah, legendary inside legendary man there. Fix in the inside. Um, but the penalty goal being the difference. That penalty goal coming off the back of um, some crazy defence from uh, the cyborg Nathan Brown, where he just went oh. mental in a set. Um, Put the team but, on his back, baby. That was great. Let me just go through the stats, if you don't mind, first, and then we'll get to it. Um, I, I just want to make three quick points after the stats, and then I'll let you guys jump into it, if you, if, if that's all right with you I guys. I don't know. Let's have a little, um, what's it called, powwow here. Ham, Birdie, this is a sidebar. Go away, Hamish. Um, what do we reckon? <laughs> you know all about sidebars. Yeah, yeah that's that's the best part of this, but yeah. Birdie, you yeah. <laughs> My my uh, information about sidebars comes from Brooklyn. No, I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was about to say Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Birdie, we need right. you for the sidebar. I don't, I don't get what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah okay. okay. <laughs> you never do. Motion, I'm going to get it back on motion's track. Being, motion's uh, being carried. Eels, Amish. 53% possession. Completion rate, 76% to Warriors, 84%. Um, everything was pretty pretty close. Uh, run meters, we outgained them by about 300. Um, average That's set distance, 40 to 41.3. Average play the ball, we were three point one four five seconds to the Warriors three point one seven three point seven one. Sorry, is that I, a, I don't. I sorry, sorry, to jump in. Is that a season best for us? I feel like we're yeah, always in the four much, second, four second mark. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then just going through the rest, offload similar, kicks similar, kick difference. They beat us by 300. We forced three dropouts, which was good. Kick diffusal, 44% to the Warriors, 88%. Uh, we'll get to Ethan Parry under the high ball shortly. Um, effective tackles, Eels 92%, pretty close. Um, and then the missed tackles, 24 to Warriors, 18 to us with two intercepts. Um, errors, 15 to us, 9 to Warriors. And then the big talking point is nine penalties to two. Um, so just quickly, I want to touch on those first three points, which is um, in the review by Annesley. So at the end of the game, the the consensus was the Warriors were robbed um, because that last pass didn't go forward. Um, not only was it not forward out of the hands, it travelled backwards um, in fr- from where it was thrown, or at least that was the story. Now, Annesley on Monday says, it's a 50-50 call. I can't tell whether or not the ball was forward out of the hands, but it definitely floated forward. So then the story changed to, well, look, um, it it wasn't the forward pass, but it was those two strip calls and and the try of Dylan Brown and selectively leading out Isaac Luke's um, uh, try, which was came off the back of a, a knock-on, and then I say a knock-on when he put it down. Um Let's look at those under a microscope. Dylan Brown, Isaac Luke, one-one. Take it off. You know, even Stevens. The strip calls did not lead directly to tries. The Warriors had a chance to defend after we um, stripped the ball with. Uh, and to be fair, there was more than one person in the tackle, um, but they still had a full set to defend their line, and they didn't. And we scored points. The other strip call didn't lead directly to points, which is the one where the Warriors had two people in it, um, one of which they say fell off but was still touching the player when they stripped the ball and was called a strip. Now, this new strip interpretation, um, I've got a lot of issues with it. Um, The reason it was brought in is because you'd have player getting tackled by three, he'd make a bust, go down the field, and then a player would come in and strip the ball out one-on-one, legitimate, but because there had already been three in the tackle, you couldn't do that and it's penalised. That was the the reason for bringing this in. How it's now being played is it's not a proper contest for the ball. It's three people get in, one player is working at the arm, holding the ball to reef it out to a position where he has complete control over that ball, then he asks the other two men to fall off and then strips it out. So whilst the player's being up, held up, um, they're having their arm leveraged. They're trying to continue on with the tackle, either get to their belly or make some post-contact metres. They are trying their best to grip onto the ball, but because they've got a 3v1 and a player gives a signal and pulls off, they're then having the ball ripped out. Now, whether or not you're getting off on in time, that's a 50-50 call. Um, you know, if you're not going to play in the spirit of the game and you're going to play with fire, sometimes you're going to get burnt. And the Warriors got burnt on the weekend a couple of times. But that's because every single tackle, they are trying to strip the ball out one-on-one. And instead of making big hits, getting players onto their back, they are making a effort to strip that ball out one-on-one to go for the hero play every time. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't come off and you get burnt. And that was the result of that game. Now, in my years, I'm going to say we've copped a couple, and <laughs> a couple. Um, as Forty will will touch on, um, the response is you've got to be better than one or two bad calls, and and I'm still of that position. So you know, at the end of the day, 
we, we got a bit of rubber green, and I'm glad of that, and we came out of it, we won. But this whole controversy has taken away from what was a really great game of football. I thought both teams went at it in the middle, and there were some really fantastic tries. Um, one you'll hear at the end, but the other one, of course, Gutherson and... The um, Prince and the King. And, um, yeah, that's right, and, and Moses. So what was it? The Prince and the King. Yeah. Um, but it's such a shame that everybody has to spend the next four or five days following a game talking about referees. And yeah, and that's the thing. That's the thing about it is, it was it was such a good game that you know even at the game it was sort of yeah the Warriors probably felt felt a bit dudded, but there was you know there's going to be calls that are wrong. There's going to be calls that aren't called that should have been. But at the end of the day. Like it was two good teams. The refereeing did muck it up a little bit. I, I, they were out of their depth at that at that pace. Um, there was a lot of calls I thought could have gone to. I thought there could have been a lot more calls to Parramatta. Um, all these the media saying that Parramatta can't be only worth two penalties a game. Well, we've conceded the least amount of penalties this year. We're the only team so far to concede under a hundred so far this year. So that's you know that you know when when you're doing that. Obviously, we're giving up in other areas like our uh, our ruck defence because we're not wrestling at all. So if we're not wrestling in the ruck, the referees can't be penalising us there. Offsides are just a – that's a lottery, to be honest with you. But, yeah, it's just a shame that, you know, and especially because it seems like after every time Parramatta plays well recently, it's about something else. It's never about the Eels. Like I saw, like after mm. the Tigers game, oh Benji's three hundredth. How good was Benji's three hundredth? Who won? We won that game. Dylan Brown schooled him in defence. It's yeah, yeah. We should be talking about the, people in the media. Everything should be talking about the game, but they're talking about the refereeing decisions, putting more unnecessary pressure on the referee, and especially with this new stripping rule, um, it's in a split second. The referees. And it really, it is a 50-50 call. And not to mention that Harris Tavita so got away with a, like a, literally a three-on-one strip on Tepe Moroa. So it's not like it was just the one-on-one strips where bad calls are happening. Tepe Moroa literally had three people on him. Harris Tavita reefed the ball out and got away with it. They got a they got a knock-on call against Parramatta. So like you, you get your swings and roundabouts in this game. That's how it is. And yep. and we happen to get a little bit more swing than the round than the roundabout there. And we, we made more of our opportunities. And that's what it is. And like I said, like you guys are saying, the Warriors played well and let's move on. Like, But I suppose what, what grinds my gears in that regard is that this this is like me pointing the finger at Reddit. I know that some people on Reddit listen to this and I appreciate that. But for months and months and months and years, we've had the no ref blaming policy. And yet all of a sudden, Parramatta get one win where it's like a little bit of controversy in it. And all of a sudden, you know, we want to talk about how it's fine the ref blame. Like... It feels like there's one set of rules for everyone and there's another set of rules for power at times. And I know that we're looking at this with blue and gold glasses, but it's so frustrating. Like, I don't know. It, yeah, I think the last time I think we won up for dodgy call was what? When we versus Panley? Oh, sorry, not Panley. Sorry. The legendary, Panley the legendary the Chris Keating forward pass, yeah. The- exactly. And so, like, I like I agree, but the penalty count was 9-2, like, but this year, if you look at the beginning of this year, we were, we were clean in discipline. So, like, it's not like as if well, that, that's what Ham was talking off. about is that we've made a conscientious decision to yeah. not wrestle as much in the ruck. And the opportunity cost there is that teams, will, if they're doing well, will roll us up the middle. And we saw that against Manly and against Melbourne. But the payoff for us on the good side is that our discipline is now at record levels for the club. 
Yeah, and you look at, okay, the forward part, it went forward because for him to flick it that far across the field, like 10 metres across the field, he has to generate it sideways, if anything, at best. Because if he, if he flicks it backwards, it's going back behind him, obviously. But it's just, okay, the penalties, you know, 9-2. When you look at it, Melbourne Storm beat the Warriors off with a controversial decision. Why isn't anyone handling them? You know, um, Sharks, the week before, a couple of weeks before that, they scored off two forward pass. Why is anyone handling them? Like, the Warriors have been done this year. Okay, we're just one of them. They've been done it. We've, we've benefited it. The other teams have. So why why put the blame on us as their season ended? Their season ended because they like to they like to push the limit. How many times they got nine penalties because they should have got at least 13, 14 penalties because they were laying all all over us in the rock. There was dangerous tackles, players getting taken out. It's just they're not a clean. They're not like they're clean. They they like to push the limit, and unfortunately, someone had to. Um, they they. You know, they wore the result of that. So, Well, I, I, one game, this is going back a few years, one game I, I often circle and come back to was back in 2016, I believe it was, we played Cronulla at Cronulla, and that was a game where Bevan French scored an early hat-trick, if I'm oh, not mistaken. that was, yeah, that and, was a disgrace. I and, remember that game. And we were all over the Sharks, and then the call started coming, and the missed call started coming, and Andrew Feeder drops the ball cold in front of the try line, cold, and then the refs somehow miss it, and they score, and then end up going the win. Where was the outrage back then? There was nothing. There was no outrage whatsoever. It was like, oh, yeah, you know what? And once again, it comes back to that statement we said, you've got to be better than a couple of refs calls. Take your lumps. Get better. And, you and, know, it, and even the Canberra game beginning of the year, that, that forward pass that was caught on us. Yeah, ex- exactly, line, buddy. That, that was, changed that, momentum if we scored. And this is something and that, that, Hamish, that, looked more, that looked more back than yeah, the – That was, well, that was clearly a backwards game. pass, that one. This is something that yeah. Hamish actually said in the wake of the game on, on Discord, and it was a very salient point is that if you sort of circle things back to the first egregious error in that game this week, it was the the two knock-ons leading to the Isaac Luke try. And then if you want to play the game of, oh, but the Eels you know, scored points off this error and this error from the referees, the butterfly effects of that first error changed the complete dimensions of the game. And so if you want to play that that, that sort of you know silly game of, oh, but the Eels scored you know eight points off points and the Warriors only scored six points, therefore you know, it should have been a win for the um, Warriors – like the whole gang was changed at the start by that one bad call or two bad calls. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, anyway, how as, good was Mike Sivo? Yeah, as far as that actual game goes, let's talk about some of the good stuff that came out of it. Because seriously, like he started the year and you could see he's got the talent, he's big, um, but like the confidence in him now. Like if, I think there was, a, I think it was against the Dragons, maybe the Tigers. Um, it was early in the year at Bankwest where Sivo got the ball. And he probably could have taken him on on the outside, but he decided to sort of slow jog and then cut back in. But this game, when Junior put his bo- put the ball onto his chest, skipped to the outside, um, palmed off whoever it was, little little ant, and then the big Kali Ma fend to uh, Blake Ashford where he tore, tore his heart out. Um, became a father on that day, you know. Became Blake Ashford. <laughs> became his daddy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you'd see just gain that confidence and attack. And, you know, the more this week he's going up against Jason Saab, and I fear for his life, he's going to, his chest is going to be pushed through if he gets fended by Micah. So good on the big Fiji, and he's, he's, he's getting there. He's still a little bit to go in just reading the game and, you know, what he does and everything. But I think um, defensively, he needs a good defensive center. Yes, absolutely. And that's when, you know, Jenko's there. He was a lot better. Um, there was a, a opportunity in the second half where 
He got the ball at centre, made a clean line break. And as soon as he got through, he was looking to offload the entire time. Whereas um, I think it would have been fourth tackle. If he held that, we get a quick play of the ball and we can play off it. Um, he threw the offload. It was never on um, once he got into the tackle. So it's, it's little things like that that, you know, he'll get with coming with first grade. Whereas, you know, when he was scored 46 tries in Ron Matsy Cup, he could throw it because they just weren't good defenders. Yeah, but he'll, he'll pick that up. He'll pick that sort of stuff up. And it's good to see him, uh, you know, starting to branch out and really, yeah, stride out, I should say. Really stride out. And, yeah, good on him. I just want to say something. People complain about his defense, you know, his decision-making. They meet the best defending winger that makes – doesn't make a mistake in reading the fence. They all do, like, when it comes to overlaps. So it, his problem is, like, not in terms of one-on-one. -on -one. It's more like he has to try and make a play to shut it down if it's two-on-one. So people giving him shit about his defense, all the wingers can't defend. That's why – that's the reason – That's you know, that's the reason they're on the wing in the first place, like – so yeah, just lay off him, you know. You know, at, at, at the end of the day, you you played in the forwards, didn't you, Bertie? Oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. But like, no, but still, even then, look, name like who was the best defense? Who's the best defensive winger? Literally, you can't name. They're all Matt, offense. Matt Fergo is pretty good. Matt Sin historically <laughs> oh, yeah. probably is the most famous, I'd say. But um, but, yeah, Fergo. But like, if you go through the list, you know, Mansour, he was like the highest paid winger. He's not his shit defense, you know. Um. Look, Gagai, he can't defend. Like you just go through them all. They all can't. They all make bad decisions in, in defense, right? Decision making. It's it's the position with the least amount of margin of error, and the, yeah. the one that's most often exposed to two on ones, regardless of whether you've made the right call. So, and yes. it's always yeah, especially with the center, because sometimes you know they're they're drawn in by either their winger um, or the, or the half or their center, and they've you've got to commit to that decision of your center. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't, well, then you stay on your wing and they score closer to the post. So, you know, it's sort of, yeah, it's it's a weird, yeah, but there's no good defending wingers, really. It's all about the edge combination there. Yeah, that's right. And that's why I'm saying he needs a good defensive centre because we saw when Jennings was in earlier in the year that um, he, his defence was certainly boosted Speaking in that regard. Of, um, another player I wanted to give a shout-out was Nathan Brown. Oh, yeah. That, that set before the penalty, <laughs> he just went absolute mental. And, I, think uh, was, I think it was on the first tackle too. Like He just went bang straight out of the defensive line and just tried to put a shot. I think he got stepped or he might have just caught them and then – you know, he went back, got back, and then shot out again on the third or fourth and put on a huge shot. And, you know, when you when you try and pin a team, you see it with a lot of other teams. Parramatta haven't done it well this year. We, we've done it well in, in years past, but this year was sort of been a bit tentative with our um, line speed. But I think the refs are, you know, if, if they see a team's got a bit of momentum in defense, trying to keep... Uh, teams inside their 20 or 30, they're not really blowing a penalty. I reckon if we could probably push it like we used to in uh, 2017 when the refs also didn't blow offside penalties, is you can pin a team right down in the 20 and then you've got our big back three running up. We'll be attacking on the third tackle. Easy. That's a good point. And and then I also thought um, Dill Brown um, oh. is getting better week on week. Excuse me. His defense Dil on RTS. Dylan, Dylan Walker-Brown yeah. Is completely out of his depth in first grade. <laughs> is his middle name Walker? <laughs> nah, it was nah. a joke. Oh. But he's um, you see it every time RTS went over to his right and Dill's on the left there, chopped him down. I think the only time he didn't 
was when RTS at the end of the game where he pushed him off and then it was ended up being a forward pass. But every time RTS went over to the right, Dill chopped him down every single time. When got him right around the hips, just pulled him down. That it was for someone as dangerous as RTS for a nineteen year old halfback or five eighth, I should say, for a nineteen year old five eighth to bring him down every single time with as dangerous and as lightning quick as RTS is. That was fantastic defending, fantastic tackling from a young Dill there. And speaking of defence, one player that impressed me, not so much in the red zone because of the how the new combination worked there, but in general play between the 20s, I thought Wanga Blake made some sensational tackles in, oh, a, in open field, just cut down. I was very surprised. I was yeah. very, very surprised at his tackling. And, um, it, you know, he wasn't, you know, dominant with the ball in hand, but he got through plenty of work and, and gave him a bit of leeway because he's coming back, you know, first game from a, a long-term layoff from a knee injury. And you know, I, I thought it was pretty good. So... Exciting times for the Parramatta backline. They're assembling something pretty special there. Um, especially, I, mean, I know the rumour was poo-pooed, but if, if that rumour that popped up last week has any anything to it, God, the Parramatta Eels would be fielding the, the greatest backline in modern history. Right. Wanga Blake's Fijian too, isn't he? Yes, yes. You have, you have three-fifths of like yeah. the best Fijian backline ever. Not to mention that you know we were also the club that had that bloke called Jared Hayne, who was also you know a Fijian superstar. So yeah, we just need need to find like one Fijian center or something to complete the Exodia of Fijian backline. <laughs> Back on um, Ethan Parry, right? Like people, some people are giving him shit because he he's suspect under the high ball. He reminds me of when Vital Tai came through the grades. Like he was a, a gun center, but he started off on the wing and he just looked uncomfortable. And you know, for someone who's probably what Ethan Parry's been a center his whole life, you would assume and. For him to be on the wing and like you know the one of the biggest part is to catch a high ball, it, you know it would be uncomfortable for him. So, you know when he goes to his natural position, like then he'll be more comfortable in his arm in the in place, like playing for the team. Like even when Guffer first came to the club, oh. he was on the wing. He people people so want to like literally want to Guffer and sacked from his contract, and Guffer yeah. has made a point of sticking it to those people a couple of times in the media about um you know he was quite well aware of the the social backlash to his rough game against what was it. Uh, Man, it was Manly was where he came good. It was the Cowboys and maybe the Melbourne Broncos, or or Broncos. One, yeah, Broncos and Cowboys. That's right. And he had two, you know, real rough days at the office, and you know hasn't looked back since. Um, the one thing you know I liked about Ethan was uh, he got smashed early on, and I think it was just before half time. Um, he got demolished in attack. I thought he had, a, thought he had a broken forward. wrist and his shoulder. It was his shoulder, was it? Look, yeah. It looked like his shoulder because he was sort of grasping at it. But he sort of come out. He didn't get up straight away, but he got up. And that's like you can't show weakness in the to the defense. You're like, yeah, he got up a bit ginger, but, you know, we've had players get up a bit ginger before. But he got up. He's obviously really hurt. Got up, got in defense, and then just played the whole second half, made 165 meters from from 16 runs. Mm-hmm. Scored a try. Uh, got smashed. Every, I think every single time he got he got tackled, he got absolutely demolished. That, that was definitely a welcome to first grade type of game, wasn't it? Like, yeah. And the, but the thing, he got up every single time, mm-hmm. and you know he probably isn't ready for first grade, and that's why this week he hasn't been selected, and he's got a few things to work on. But it's that willingness. Oh, sorry, I should, didn't breathe into the microphone. <laughs> um, it's that willingness to go into the contact, and whether that be you know winger or centre. You need that from your back five. Yeah, you, you, want you can't shirk the physical nature of the run. game. And, you know, that, 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 that defensive stuff, 
it'll come with time. He'll probably gain a few kilos in the off season. He'll get a little bit fitter. Um, but it's in like it's the intangible stuff there. The willingness to work, uh, his talking defense. Um, it's all that. It's all those little stuff, and then the other stuff can be worked on. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, and he has the the sheer between the competitive streak that he has and the sheer physical assets that he's been born with. You know, he's in a very good position to succeed for us as you know as an upside uh, first grader out in the wing or in the centres. And and to an extent, I'm, I'm willing to give him a pass on some of the defense because um, as opposed to last week where he had that really bad tackle attempt on Brad Parker, there was no soft contact this week, but there were miscommunication issues, which you'd expect because he was playing alongside a bloke in his first game at the club. Yeah, and he's playing his second game and he's playing NRL. his second game of NRL. So, yeah, he gets a you know a pretty big um, hall pass there for me. But, yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I like what I've seen in, in the two debut games. Um, I know he's he's been dropped this week. We'll get to that later. But, you know, he's got stuff to work on, like Cam said, and it, it gives him a very realistic goal now of what it takes to become a full-time first grader. So, Well, the thing is, stuff. like, you're given that little bit of a taste in their first year. You know, unless you're an absolute elite player, you're not going to be playing more than 10 games in yeah, first grade. That, that's, that's why fans should appreciate what we're getting out of Dylan Brown and make a save over this season. That's yeah. That that's something pretty special. Yeah, for, you know, for to play 10, 10 or more games in your debut year, you're going to have to be, you know, physically developed at your and you at a young age, mentally developed, um, and sort of the right things to go right. Because let's say like a lot of young guys in their first year uh, get injured. We've seen it in the yep. past. We've seen it now. It's just that it's just a different physicality. It's a different level to anything they've played before. But to give if he might, he might get some later on. We don't know. But he knows what it – yeah, as you said, he knows what it takes to get there. Now he can put in that – he can take that knowledge back to reserve grade, back to pre-season training and train so that next time he gets up, it's not as, it's not as physically difficult. Um, before we move on to the other games and previews and whatnot, I've got four players I want to quickly wrap um, who I think all stepped up in a, in a big game, especially – um, two of them after what happened at Manly in the middle. Um, I think that Junior Paulo and Kane Evans continue to really shine as a starting pair. Um, Kane is just like, he's not going to be a superstar for us, but just what he's doing is great. Like, he's just getting good post contact meters, playing real hard. And Junior's given us that little bit of creativity through the middle as well. Um, he was a big part of the reason why Maker Sebo set up that sensational try. Um, him and Manamau got some really clean ball out to the left. And the other two players that I want to shout out is that. In a, in a week where we needed some big-time players to make big-time plays, uh, um, ugh, Mitchell Moses and Quinton Gufferson had really good games. And Mitchell Moses... On. Sorry. Oh, no, go on, go on, go on. I was going to say, you, Mitchell you, Moses, you know, he had the, the flashy plays. Obviously, that length of the field try was going to be on a season highlight reel. But it was the kick chases. There were two kicks. One where he probably forced an error out of Kemamalo that was glossed over by the NRL. Um, and he almost bundled him to touch. And there was a second one later where Gufferson put a kick in and he ended up forcing a line dropout off RTS. And both of them were just pure hustle plays. And uh, that really stood out to me watching that game. You know, I, I said it last week in the pod, um, and it's a very kicking game a little bit. He did that against the Warriors, but I'd, I'd still like to see a little bit more. We saw that when, you know, he put the ball into a corner – we, you know, we had Ken Marmalo, you know, not looking up in the air. He's looking down on the ground. He didn't know what to do with the ball. <laughs> he was in the touch on that play. I remember that tackle. 
um, his bum was out. But, you know, if you get these big guys, because a lot of wingers now are bigger. They don't turn as well as, you know, your wingers from 20 years ago. So you get them turned around and you, ch- you chase hard with, you know, Mitch Moses, Gutho, Dill, Nathan Brown. You get those guys to really rush up, put pressure on that first tackle. And then as you're making that tackle, then your defensive line comes up and you can really play off the back of that. I'd just like to see him, you know, put his head down and just dr- drill it, not drill it towards the sideline so it goes out, but really put pressure on it and get it sort of, That's... I think in the NFL they call it coffin corner. Is yeah, that right? when you, yeah, when you box them, yeah, into the side, yeah. Yeah, you get, you get them right in that corner. If you can get them sort of playing around that um, corner post sort of 10 metres I mean, in, well, yeah, when you box, it, it makes it so much easier to defend. When they're boxed into one side, you can just they can um, only go um, one way. You can umbrella in from the interior and just crush them, yeah. Um, you can, they can only go one way and every that, team wants to start their sets in the, or get as close to the middle as possible as early as possible. That um that low driving clearing kick is one of the, the single greatest things I miss about Corey Norman. Um, he was so good at it, just like a laser, just flattened it out and got it in between the winger and the fullback. Um, but I, I do I, I did enjoy Moses' kicking game for the most part. There was one one moment where the refs bulked up the uh, tackle count, which led to a pretty oh. to a pretty um shonky kick. But um, I think he found the the carpet way more than I was anticipating, given that it was Roger Torvarsashek at the back. So he did a pretty good job there. And um, and we got to see Reed jump out of dummy half a couple of times with uh, good kicks. And that's actually something I want to talk about too, is that I really like what we did with Reed as far as interchanges is concerned, but I'm just, I don't understand. Personnel that come on for I don't it. understand why we did it the one week that Jamie Samuel was dropped. Like yeah. that, that was the perfect time to spell Reed, either before or after half time to give him that prolonged break and get him back in fresh. But we've had Jamie Samuel on the bench for two or three weeks doing nothing. And then the one week he's gone, we decided to do that. I just, and, and the thing is, you can see that when Gutho jumps in a dummy half, when our halves get the ball, they're looking out the back. And the guy who's no there. fullback there. Yeah. So it really stunts our attack in that position because and, you now they're looking to go at the back. Oh, Gutho's not there. Now we either have to hit the short ball or we've got to take it ourselves. And especially when a half has to take the ball to the line when they're not expecting to, sort of thing, when they're looking to go at the back, it really halts the defense, really halts the set. Momentum, it's just, yeah, I'd, I I like the idea behind taking Reed off because he's young. He is, you know, making 40 tackles a game, which is absolutely ridiculous for a 22-year-old. Hmm. But when he come off and we put Gutho there, it really did halt our attack. And especially when we've had uh, Oregon, who I thought was good off the bench, but only played 18 minutes, and Tepai, who didn't do much of anything that game, there was obviously space on the bench for Sam in that game. So Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. just... It, well, I love the idea. Don't like how it was um, executed. But, um, yeah, I think that it, it's a good move moving forwards for Brad as far as managing Reed, uh, especially when, um, you know, you're trying to keep him fresh. And if you need to, you can always play him for longer minutes in a certain, you know, if the game calls for it. But, yeah, just taking that little bit of workload off him does help. All right. Do we want to move on to the news now? <clears throat> I think so. Yeah, okay. I think so. Okay, well, the- the big news is um, Bev French is off to Wigan Warriors. Um, so um, is, that's immediately, wasn't it? It was immediately. Yeah, he was immediately. wasn't named in, in the team list last week, which led to the speculation. And then after the game, it was announced that the Eels are parting ways with Bevan. Um, so that's the real big news. Other than that, it's just a couple of rumours Welch we've touched on before. Uh, the, what, um, the, the other thing with Bev is that it was a two-year deal with clauses to return to the NRL. 
should he get an offer, as if I recall correctly? So would he get? A- I think you know. I think this could be a good sort of wake up call for Bev because you'll go over there. Defense isn't as good. He'll be able to see. You know, if I put in that little bit extra, he he could be easily. You know, James Malone is going over there next year. But if Bev can light up that competition, Bev, if he puts in, there he will be an absolute superstar over there. He'll score three tries a game, set up four. If he puts, he could, he could. This could be the making of Bev and French and. You know, sometimes you need that little bit of kick up the bum. You know, not in a in an NRL system. I know he only joined an NRL system at seventeen years old, but he's been in an NRL system now for six years. Um, so you know, just going over there, seeing that you know it's not as good over here. Come back to Australia. I, this could be a really good move for Bev. I hope he. I really hope he does well. I've got the Wigan game recording. I think it's on Friday morning. Not sure if he's named or if he's playing, but I'm now a Wigan warrior. <laughs> Get on that bandwagon, baby. And then, of course, the rumours regarding Semi, which have been shot down. Um, and then there was also the um, the rumour about Regan Campbell-Gillard, which I understand has sort of been floating around since before June about offloading. He's on some ridiculous length. Five years, like $700,000 to $800,000 a season is the speculated figure I've seen. So I, I, I have interest in the deal, but it's definitely got to be at the right value because that five years scares me. I don't like only the yeah, best, that, only the best the place they can get five years. That's the thing, you know. If you can get him for five five hundred or under, I think you could probably get some value out of him. Um, there was an article today with uh, Spud Carroll where he said, you know, you got to want him to toughen up and you know make twenty twenty hit ups, twenty five tackles in a game and um, and everything. But it's just that five year deal. That's and that's I, I saw this. For, I saw this speculated by Penrith fans and neutrals. In that they feel that the second broken jaw has sort of undone the the uh, ferocity and, and willingness to go on to contact hard out of his game. So I don't know if that's now mental trauma for him, and it's too deeply ingrained to you know break him out of it. But if you can fix that, because you know we we talk about overrated Penrith players, and I think Campbell Gelb was overrated for a fair extent of his career. But at his best, he is a, a you know state of origin caliber or thereabouts prop. So if you can get that for the sort of value that Ham was talking about. I'm all, I'm, you know, more for it, but yeah, the length just of the that deal. length. You don't know what's going to happen in five years' time. Like we got mm-hmm. some young guys, Stefano, uh, Oregon Kafusi, we're lo- looking deep. You got David Hollis, Sam Hughes there. You know those four guys, along with uh, your Christian Welch, um, Nathan Brown, Junior Paulo, mm-hmm. um, potentially Kane Evans. You know that could really, you could really form a strong, experienced core there of your middle forwards you're adding Regan Campbell Gillard all of a sudden you're putting a bit of a block there for five years and I know Junior's on four years but it's going to before you know Junior our young guys are probably a very deep understanding the, of who he was as a player we had all the information before he left the club so the club was very comfortable making that decision I dare say whereas, yeah whereas this is that five year deal I just think it puts too much of a block on um, Junior's coming through if it was if it's two or three years yeah. you took on, I'd take him up no problem for five hundred or less. That's that it's five a, years. I just think too much of a block. It'd get in the way of our juniors, and you know we're losing some experience. We're losing a lot of experience. Sorry, with Timmy going, um, Gao potentially retiring, Manu Mao going. The but at the same time, we're bringing in a hundred gamer and Christian Welch, uh, who is a super high character person as well. By the way. 
mean, yeah. I don't know if everyone's caught so, the, um, the, the articles in the media, but um, Welch is literally like a cornerstone clubman. Like, so. Yeah, so I just, I, I'm unsure about it. I, it's, I, it's I, times I, like unless these. you could get a really good deal out of it and you could really pen it over with them paying half or more of his deal, I'd take it. But I just as, as it is, that five years, I thought it's too long for me. It's too long. It's times like these that the I mean the way the NRL was built you couldn't do it anyway but um in you know the NFL you can you know swap a player or trade a player and get them to agree to a contract restructure and this is definitely the sort of deal that would need that you know and you'd still find a way to get in most of his money but you know you'd give him better job security or something like that or better incentives um and on the you know basis he agrees to short shorter terms or something like that uh, but as, as it stands. If you get the right value for it, maybe we can push ahead for it, but the five years is a very, very uh, worrying proposition. Bertie, you're a Penrith uh, specialist. You got anything to add to Reagan Campbell-Gillard as um, a potential yeah, it's just the, It's just the – I guess if you look at it, um, I don't want to start placing like a, a curse on Brad Arthur, but if Brad Arthur doesn't get re-signed after his deal, the new coach will come in he's stuck with Reagan Campbell-Gillard for three years, like I believe, or two and a half years, like it's a five-year. If it was a halfback or a fullback or one of the spines, yeah, but a prop, it's very. But then, in saying that, like the props don't get, they don't get better at all. They don't hit their peak form. Yeah, if, like you, if you're subscribing to that, so. Campbell Gillard will be like right through his athletic peak as a prop of us if we took on that contract. Yeah. But um, so it could be like a a huge payoff, a huge bust, as they say in NFL terms, but. I'm happy if they're going to pay, like say majority of the con- majority of his contract. I'm happy with that, but I don't want to be buying for the sake of buying because we need to. Like I don't mind waiting another year until a, another big prop comes off contract in the end of 2021 or 20 yeah or end of 2020. Like I want to be buying just for the sake of it because like if if teams are approaching us with players, just be frugal if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. yeah, all right. Take All it. right. Sorry, you there, 40? I was going to say, take us away, boss man. Move us on. Okay, I was going to go. So we're off to um, the next week um, of football in this coming upcoming round, uh, which will see Indy Shield Guildford in fifth position taking on Blacktown Workers Sea Eagles in eighth position, 3 p.m. Sunday, 4 August at McCready Park. Uh, we then move into um, – oh, hold on, sorry. That's That's incorrect. Guildford hours are on Sunday, the 4th of August against the Rams in the Shield. And then in the Ron Massey Cup, Wentworthville Magpies are taking on the Asquith Magpies at 3 p.m. Um, at Ringbows Park. And that's also on the 4th of August. Uh, then into the Jersey flag, the Dragons are hosting the Eels. Uh, I'm sorry, my page is uh, very slow to load. Um, which we'll take at Zim's Park. Where, where's Zim's Park? Zim's Park. Um, Near Cogra. All right, Saturday, 3rd August at 3.15pm. Dragons also outside of the 8th. 8 in ninth position. Eels in 12th. A um, couple of ins, couple of outs. Uh, Nebatella Evu and Naiduki are both back uh, on the wings. That, it's going to be a bit same old, same old. Yeah, not much. Um, I think probably this is the strongest team that we've fielded all year when you're, you know, you're... Um, in the past, we've had Kyle Schneider there, but this time we've got um, Hollis and Hughes. Uh, I think that's huge that both of their 
both 18 years old, both um, taken over that starting role. I think, you know, those two guys uh, both picked for New South Wales Origin this year. Um, if they went to school, I'm pretty sure they would have been picked for Oz schoolboys. So, you know, that's looking good there. Um, yeah, this, that's the thing. There's just a lot of talent in this team. I'm just, I'm not sure why it's not clicking because you see guys like JP Nora been picked in the past for um, New South Wales 18s. William Key, same thing. Tui Afuala, same thing. Joseph Taipari, uh, New Zealand schoolboy few years back. Beyond Yodo, um was a reserve halfback for Queensland 18s last year at 17 years old. Um, Jesse Cronin, old schoolboy. Valence Harris, New Zealand schoolboy. So, you know, there's talent there. I just think there's probably been too much interchange and change around with this team. And also, you know, you, you are missing the stars. And like you see other teams, they hold their stars back, whereas we're really pushing our stars through. So, um, yeah, it's it's hard. I, I can't see them winning, but I hope they put in a good performance, especially against the Dragons. Right, and then in the Canterbury Cup, Dragons in fifth position, taking on Wentworthville in seventh position, 1.50pm on Sunday, the 4th of August, 2019. Uh, that's at Jubilee, so the curtain raiser to first grade. Um, see anything big really coming out of this game? Winnie game? Yeah. We've got um, young bookends starting the game, the, which is always good to see. Yeah, the, in Oregon. That's a good thing. The Battle of the Backlines. Matt Dufty versus Will Smith, uh, Ravalawa versus Lelissi Well, Maranta versus Hoffman, Stephen Masters, Ethan Parry, Jonas Pearson, Hayes Dunster. That's, you know, for a reserve grade game, it's pretty, pretty good, there's yeah. a lot of upcoming talent there. There's, a, you know, a few established talent. That'd be a very, that's a very good um, matchup there. And even in the forwards, uh, Josh Curran um, has played a couple of games in first grade this year, was the... Uh, scored in the Indigenous All-Stars without even touching, like, his first touch with putting the ball down. Um, Lachlan Tim, I think, is a young guy. So, um, yeah, battle of the young front row there. It should be interesting game. And if, when he win, I think that sort of secures um, their spot in the top eight for the year. I, I believe I'm just having a quick look. Um, they are currently one point in front of ninth spot. So, they want to they want to keep in touch with the top eight and play finals. Um, this is the game they need to win. All right. And then into first grade, uh, which will be the last. It's the last Sunday game of the round. I think we've got a Sunday game. Uh, sorry, our last Sunday game of the year. Um, I think we've got a Saturday game. And then the last four games are either Thursday night or Friday night. Yes. Um, so I guess that's a positive. Um, but it'll be, uh, again, on nine flagship um, afternoon game, also on Fox, uh, KO, et cetera, which will be the Dragons in 14th position, taking on the Eels in sixth position. Somehow the Dragons are $1.85 favourites. Um, don't we have a great um, head-to-head record against them recently? Yeah, we've only dropped one game, like, in the last six years or something against them. I don't know. It's some weird hoodoo we've got. Um, the one game that we did drop was against them at Jubilee, I believe, the last year, game. where Will Smith yeah. clanger. <laughs> the Will Smith game. <laughs> um, oh, so, fuck. I just forgot about that. Why? Suppress Sorry. that one away, Bertie. Call me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> the trees are screaming Will Smith. Um, 
All right, let's go through the team list, uh, which will see Clint Gutherson at fullback and captain. Uh, the wings, Mecca Sivo and Brad, Brad Takarangi. Um, at centres, Michael Jennings, Waka Blake. Uh, in the halves, Dylan Brown, Mitch Moses. In forwards, Kane Evans, Junior Paulo, Hooker, Reid Marnie. Second row, Sean Lane, Manu Ma'u. And lock is Nathan Brown. And then the interchanges, Marala Neacore, Daniel Alvaro, David Gower, Tep Maroa, with an uh, re- extended bench of Josh Hoffman, Penny Terrapo, Jamin Salmon, Andrew Davey. And then for the Dragons, we have Corey Norman at fullback. Uh, the wings, Saab and Zach Lomax. Centres, Ewan Aitken and Tim Laffey. And then in the halves, Gareth Widdle returns. He returned last week, didn't he? Yeah. I believe. Yep. Um, yeah. Ben Hunt at halfback. Uh, then in the forwards, Blake Laurie, Paul Vaughan, Cameron McInnes, the captain there. Uh, second row, Tyson Frizzell, Tarek Sims, and in lock, James Graham. Uh, Interchange is Jeremy Lattimore, Corbin Stins, Patrick Kafusi, and Luciano Leilua. And extended bench, Tristan Saylor, Josh Kerr, Matt Dufty, and uh, Ravalawa. Um, so the big one, sorry, this is the first time I've looked at the, the team list this afternoon. Brad Takarangi at, at, at oh, yeah. wing? That's the one that's got everyone scratching their head. Um, and, yeah, I'm not sure, even if he doesn't play wing, what would be the reshuffle looking at that? Um well, Hoffman. Yeah, maybe Hoffman. Like, surely Takarangi can't play wing. And looking at that back one, I don't think there's anyone else. You don't play Jenko on the wing. Um, no, nah, we don't swap sides for him either. Like, he has to play left centre. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Someone said to combat the height of Jason Saab, but Saab plays over on the right, I believe. Yeah. So he'll be up against Sivo. Um, it's Lomax out on the left there. And the only way I can see it happening is if Wanga Blake does play wing. Oh, yeah. I suppose Wanga can play wing. He's played three games or something like that, or 11 games in three years, maybe. Yeah, something like that. But, yeah, it's to name Tacker on the wing. You know, he's the old, he's, the old he's done well games. with his try scoring. In the past three weeks, I think he scored five tries in three games. But putting him out on the wing, I don't think that's the right thing to do there. All right, so let's go through a birdie thoughts. Oh, we're going to get screwed this week. I can see it happening. Uh, you think the backlash is coming? <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. We've got no chance. Of I just, just, this is just pray, brace for, um, we're going to get screwed. Every 50-50 call is going to be 90-10 call to the Dragons. After all, they got dotted last week too from a forward pass. So if we win, it'll be a miracle. And I'm, but I'm talking about like Jesus rising from the dead miracle. Like, <laughs> we, we, we said it. Just, just, just be better than I'm a couple just, of calls. That's um, just, that's who we have to be this week. You, we, be you know how it's nine-two penalty count. You know with that clean. Oh, we're going to get about these five penalties in the first five minutes. We are going to get screwed. And but ser- serious talk. Um, I'm actually a bit worried of Tucker ringing on the wing because you know yeah, he, he likes can't, to come he in. He can't play wing. He can't. Play. It's got to be a ruse. It's got to be a ruse. I'm oh, sorry. He can't play wing. I'm pra- I'm praying, but um, it's it's going to be interesting for the fourth because. So they were bullied against Manly, who had a, big, a bigger pack. Um, they stood up against the Warriors, which, which are a physical pack. Now up against a representative pack, it's going to be interesting how um, how they're going to react. You know, they, was it just a one-off against the Warriors, or will they actually, you know, stamp their authority? The key is to stop McGinnis because we seem to make every hooker, um, you know, play their yeah, best game true. against us. So yeah, it's true. Danny and Levi, even, Moses Fino, they all have career games against us. Yeah, and like Ben Hunt, like. You know, it, it, like he, he made a run last week, finally made a run and he almost made a break, but Frizzell dropped it. So 
just watch out for McGuinness running and obviously Hunt, but um, yeah, I'm going to tip us to win, but I can't see it happening with <laughs> the backlash, so yeah. Uh, hey, forty. Yeah, I mean, we've we've got the once again. If you're talking about you know styles make fights, I feel like we match up pretty well against the dragons. Uh, so it, it's a game that should be relatively within our own control, um, barring any you know sort of shady official kickback against us for the uh you know stealing two points against the warriors. But um, yeah, I'm just thinking. I, I feel like it's definitely a game where if we can hold our own in the middle, we'll definitely get them out wide. I really like our back line, even with Takarangi potentially on the wing. Like I said, that's got to be a ruse. Um, we're now four-fifths of a full-strength back line, which is actually really exciting once Fergo gets over his uh, antibiotic reaction. Um, and, yeah, I, I really like to see what we can do with Jeno, uh, Jeno, <laughs> Jenko, <laughs> and, and uh, Wonga Blake both in the back line and have a bit of time to uh, train together. And, of course, Sam? Um, just going on what Forty said there, I was just having a look at the team. Maybe Mary. Here's a, here's another conspiracy for you. I haven't done it for a while. Here we go. Mary, Mary McGregor rang up BA. I said, "Look, mate, we've both got no hair. We're both bald. So you've got to. <sighs> we're both same thinking here. I've picked Corey Norman out of position at fullback. You've got to pick. I need you've got you to return the favor. Someone <laughs> out of position in your back line. And Brad's going, "Oh fuck it, fuck, fuck." I'll Brad Tackering. I'll put him on the wing. And Mary's gone. <sighs> Can you do something else? Could you put maybe Nathan Brown there or something? Brad's gone, nah, best I can do is Brad. So <laughs> that's that's what's happened, I hope. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just um, – with the Dragons, uh, they lost again on the weekend. I know it was a dodgy call against the Rabbits. I think that was their last ditch. If they won that game, they would have been pushing for the seventh maybe – or eighth maybe seventh spot, but – I think they're out of it. I think um, it's that last last ditch loss to the South has probably put their spirits down a little bit. If we can catch them early, I reckon. I don't. I think you know to get to beat them in this game. Um, a lot of teams love to do it to us. Um, Tigers in the past, Newcastle. They've been first twenty minutes have gone bang. Our first twenty thirty minutes, we need to go as quickly and as hard as possible really get them in the corner, really um, pressure their backs to work the ball out. Um, they don't have the biggest back line. Um, make sure Corey's returning as much ball as possible there. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's where we can win it. We really need to pressure their back five. We need to come out and absolutely fire. We can we can fly. And then for mine, yeah, it's, it's certainly that back line is where we can win the game. Um, but they still do have, uh, you know, a pretty good spine um, in yeah. Corey Norman. I know he'll be a bit out of puff playing at fullback, um, but Gareth Widdop, Ben Hunt, and and of course um, Cameron McInnes. I think he's second in tackles after the great Reed Money this season. Um, but that that forward um, rotation, you know, James Graham, he's they're a bit start, old in the tooth these days, but, really good, but still good for England. Their bench is pretty well, that, weak. Sorry. Well, if, if before I was rudely interrupted, uh, James Graham, <laughs> a bit old in the tooth, but still runs around for England. Uh, then the second rowers, both playing Origin at one point this season. Paul Vaughan, of course, playing Origin. Uh, Blake Laurie, uh, if anybody picked him up in fantasy or Supercoach earlier in the year, you're laughing. 
Um, so that, that forward pack's certainly tough, and we don't want to take them lightly. And then just looking on the bench, you've got Luciano Leilua, who always seems to steal a try from us. So um, all I should be on him. Um, but I, I certainly think we've got the troops to get it done, um, and we're now in a position where we need to go three and three to make the finals. Um, so we really don't want to drop a game, which we should be winning um, against this Dragons team. And, you know, you talk about Corey getting puff. We haven't done it um, for a while. We usually hold the ball until last tackle and then kick. This game, we should be looking at, you know, possibly even on the third. If we're up to the 40, get it, just drill it long, make Corey chase, make sure, you know, their forwards aren't getting back by until fourth tackle there. Because if their forwards are getting back third, taking their third, fourth, and leading up to the last tackle, that's where, you know, they can really hurt us but if we get up there get right in their faces um kick uh, kick early that's what i'd be doing you know you you might be losing um if you're doing a garbage set or whatever you know where you fall forwards but as soon as you're up to the 40 i reckon we just kick for the first 20 minutes just do it for the first 20 minutes as soon as we hit the 40 kick it long and then that'll open up space where we can shift it i think it's supposed to be 20 on Sunday, partly cloudy. So it'll be a really open game there. Um, if we get their wingers second-guessing themselves, because, again, Jason Saab playing second game. Uh, Zach Lomax has played under 20. So if you get them second-guessing themselves about when they've got to drop back and Corey, you know, mainly being a half, only played a couple of games at fullback there, it can really put pressure on them and we can start spreading it wide from that point. All right, well, let's go. Birdie, um, final score, tr- first try scorer. Um, well, I'm going to go Parramatta 22 to 8. Uh, first try scorer, I'm going to go with um, Gufferson. And yeah, um, but realistically, yeah, as I said earlier, I think we're going to lose, but i got to tip my boys. So yeah, over to you, whoever's next. <laughs> 40. I'm going big this week. Parramatta 44, Dragons 10. Uh, first try Ooh. scorer. First try. Let, let's go for, you know, no, I can't do it. I can't say Taco. I can't say that for straight face. Uh, <laughs> um, let's go Dylan. Mate, Bader. he's got five tries in three he's, games. He's, on, he's, run, he's running red hot. And he's on the wing this week, so he's got, you know, even less defense to go up against. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with um, Dill. That's all right. And then lastly, well, not lastly, second lastly, um, Ham. Penultimate. Um, what was the score I used to predict for the first opening, couple of opening rounds? 32 nil? 44 nil. 32 nil. 34 nil. Dragons won't get over the line. Oh, the shutout. Yeah. It's only superstition. I'm not, I don't think that'll happen, but. <laughs> I mean, mad respect if you get it right. If I do, I should have. I will. That's, um, Hamish will take you out the steak dinner. I tell you what. Oh, I should put money on it, but I can't. <laughs> and then I'll put us down twenty-eight, eighteen, Mecca Civil, um, to show that the oh, Eels do Fijian wingers good, but the Dragons don't do them they, so good. They really don't. They really I didn't. Don't. Um, Michael Jennings' first try scorer. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. On, on his return game. Yeah, that's yeah. got some. Yeah, I like that. Um, all right, well, that wraps up the previews for the upcoming week. And then over to the last bit, which is, uh, Bertie, if you want to plug or tell us about anything, you'll go. Well, uh, big news, guys. Au revoir, Bevan Heaven won. 
My new Twitter handle is uh, Birdie Fan. So I would have yeah, given, I'm I still given the you same per- permission to use Hakuna Murata, man. You could have used it. Ah, uh, but see, but no, someone's actually used it. Some really? guy from the Middle Eastern country it has nothing to do with Parramatta or whatever. <laughs> That's great. That's yeah, fantastic. I, I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I was shocked. Um, I was going to go with Paradise, but maybe you know, if Perry could take that. But um, yeah, just go simple Birdie Fan. So I'm still going to be the same Birdie, you know, talk shit. Keep but getting, uh, yeah, get blocked just, by West uh, Tigers fans. I like it. Yeah. So other than that, um, NFL training camp Zeke hasn't turned up. So oh yeah, he's holding. Out. There's a couple of running backs holding out. Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott. They're um they're all trying to get theirs after what uh old boy Le'Veon Bell did. Except Le'Veon yeah. Bell had way more leverage because the franchise tag wasn't as scary for him. He'd already been tagged once. Uh, also for Aussies, um, Valentine Holmes with the Jets. So when their games start, you, this is never. Op- there's a reason for you to watch some Jets games, but yeah, saw a picture of him and Bell and the two other running backs, which is pretty cool. So yeah, yeah, over to whoever next is. <laughs> Forty. <laughs> I love it, Matt. Um, God, what what have I been up to? Yeah, obviously NFL camps in. Um, all the DK Metcalf hype. The guy that's got the human Batman suit. Um, he is a wide receiver that is like built like an absolute monster. He's going really well at camp. Um, oh my god. Um, but yeah, aside from that, I'm sure there's important stuff that I'm forgetting, but you know, things are going pretty good. Um, oh, this is why my, my baseball team, uh, the Mariners who are pretty much tanking this year and, and generally being pretty shit, uh, player they traded for from Philadelphia earlier in the year, JP Crawford has made one of the most sensational fielding players you'll ever see, regardless of your like, cricket, um, baseball, whatever background. Um, just, uh, you know, search for JP Crawford throw. And you'll see one of the most ridiculous, like contortionist throws ever. Him. Um, got a few matches on Tinder. Got a few matches on Plenty of Fish. So the ham is happy. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what they say about like, the ham you know, is the, happy. Yeah, oh, fuck. Those, those cows that were like, not great, that way, mate. were like, um, with love before they were like, That's ham now. He's in a happy state. But yeah, so. Nah, not, not much has happened. I got a new job. I'm starting tomorrow. So, exciting. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. Enjoy it. Thank you. I just, yeah, so, nah, not much has happened. I'm just waiting around for, um, you guys talk about NFL season. My gonna, season come up in season? summer is uh, the start of the junior rep trial, so. <laughs> you're going to pick up the NFL non-stop. just a little bit, a little bit maybe? What was that, sorry? You're going to pick up the NFL this year just a little bit? I try to every single year. Every, I've got Madden. I play on Xbox. I love it. I the love actual, the actual watching I love the Madden, game. but it's not NFL because NFL. It's just it's just too much stopping for me. Yeah, you know, that's, that's you, what you should you should invest in on a Monday morning. Is the does run. it run from five o'clock? NFL Red Zone it depends on kickoff. So all yeah, it is, yeah, current plays which are in the um, twenty five, like yeah. the 20, 20 yard line. Is it? Uh, yeah, roughly the twenty yard line. Yeah, but if it's like so, on so, there, they'll go to like and, and, pay for it, or is it on ESPN. Um, no, I think ESPN. Yeah, it'll be on ESPN because I've yeah. got um that through my um uh, uh fetch fetch account. Um, so you get it on there from five till I think it finishes about nine. Nine. So is that wait, right? the, the, it's the seven thirty eight o'clock window where the three games, the last three games, are played before the prime time game. Yeah, so about like nine to ten o'clock, I think it, it finishes up. Yeah, and so because they they play all their games at the same time. Um, well, not all of their games, but the majority of them on a Sunday afternoon. Um, you know, you've got like 10 games going at once and they're just only showing the really the highlight players uh, 
in in the end zone. So you, you cut out the majority of the crap. I think my um my uh, summer sport maybe AEW All Elite Wrestling starts on second of October. Back on TNT, baby. Ted Turner Network. Wrestling's real. Wrestling's real. People are fake. <laughs> NFL's fake. Uh, um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, not much happening for me. Just work, work, work. Um, we're going up to Bathurst on um, on Friday. Oh, why? So, oh, um, sorry. For, for, for work. <laughs> oh. um, and... Yeah, there's not really much else going on. I enjoy the footy on 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 Saturday. It's a really good day. If you haven't been out to the new stadium, just get oh, out there and get there early. If you've got kids, they've got like a big play area around the side there. They could climb up rock walls, not like vertical stuff, but you know, <laughs> at a forty five degree angle. They um, also had um a few kids rides, didn't they? Yeah, some kids rides. They had the free face painting. They had the hairspray, which was like a, a dollar coin donation. And that was towards I don't know some some charitable organisation. Got healthy Harold out there. Go get a photo with hey, Harold. Harold. Is that DCE you mean? <laughs> hey, healthy Harold's rumour has it. Healthy Harold's um, a TPA for DCE. And then um, yeah, just just get around the rest of the NRL. You know that battle from, from you know six through to fourteen. Um, anybody can sort of make it in. That's why I'm saying we we, we best not drop. Uh, any games, and I thought the last round of football was probably one of the the better rounds of yeah, football we've had this season. Yeah. Um, a lot of close games coming down to the wire. Um, as we said, unfortunate that uh, refereeing uh, seemed to uh, overall, or at least the Saturday games. Um, but there was a lot to like over the weekend, uh, especially Penrith um, getting their uh, their about, streak. I know uh, the result destroyed. wasn't great for us, but how about the Manly Melbourne game with both teams hitting the posts on like back to back field uh, field goals? Yeah, that was oh, insanity. Like- Insane. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, that's I all it is. I enjoy that, man. <laughs> that, that it's only exciting was... because you're like, oh, I could have go in. But if you watched, if you go there and you didn't know the score and you just saw uh, five tackles attempt at field goal, like, it's boring football. The, the, then we've got I, this I upcoming they're... round of football, which sees, you know, a couple of teams that could really seal their fate if they don't get. Uh, this week, you know, you're looking at West Tigers. They're going to drop out of the race if they can't beat the 13th place Cowboys. Uh, Warriors, apparently we ended their – well, sorry, the refs ended their season last week. But um, they've got a chance to redeem themselves against the Raiders. Broncos are currently in eighth, but they're coming up against Storm. And then you've got Manly in fifth, the Knights in ninth. They really want to get back into the eight. Um, Bulldogs and Panthers, hopefully Bulldogs can get another little sneaky one, um, steal one at the back end of the season so they can give Titans the spoon. Uh, but then you also got Sharks and the Rabbitohs, um, you know, Sharks trying to buy back into the eight. And then, of course, us at the end, Dragons really trying hard to get back and us trying to put ourselves ahead of that chasing pack. Um, well, I saw so, something the other day that we're like 98.7% chance of making the finals. Tons of I don't yeah, like having that one 10,000 sims uh, simulation. There's still 1.3 chance we don't make it, and we're not good at doing the one percenters at the moment. So, yeah, I have to say this season. If you remember in 2014, out on gold, um, but this season we put ourselves ahead of that that chasing pack. I think in that se- that year we were part of the chasing pack, so we're definitely in a better situation than we were. Um, but uh, unfortunately, it just uh, it, it, we've got to keep winning. Well, not unfortunately. Fortunately, uh, we've got to keep winning um, to make sure that we, we stay in the eighth. And especially 
as we talked about last week, get that five or six position to ensure a home final because if we get a home final at Bankwest Stadium, it is going to be packed. And, you know, I want to get my tickets there first. I've been there to most of those home games. Ham, he's been to every home game. Forty, I think you've been to the majority of them. Bertie's been out there. And, you know, all these bloody, you know, I think members get first go, don't they? Yeah, usually they get to, to yeah. uh, pre pre sale. That's right. Um, yeah. But still, I, I want to be there, and I don't want you know all these people that showed up for the first game against West Tigers and haven't gone back since. <laughs> um, is that you, Bertie? No, I've, been, I've, I've been to a couple. I've been to the. I went to the Dragons game, and yeah, I've been to um, the other one. Yeah, because you're having a good chat at the Dragons game. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> just get there, pack it out, um, enjoy the walk over, walk back. Plenty of stuff to do around the stadium when we're back there in, what is it? Is it two weeks' time? We're over in... Yes. Yeah. Plenty of stuff to do there after the game. Church Street is absolutely amazing after the game. There's usually heaps of food deals, drink deals. I went to a nice Thai restaurant. Um, Not Holy Basil. There's another one sort of just around the corner from Messina. Really nice. They did uh, $3 beers after the game. So That's dangerous. That's very dangerous. (laughs) And they said it was three dollar beers with every main meal purchased, but we purchased three main meals and got uh four three dollar beers, so they were very nice to us. Um, have we figured out where the Tigers have um, managed to set up camp for their post game stuff? Remember how they went at our leagues club? Yeah, exactly. They, they weren't going to go to the Parramatta leagues. <laughs> All right, well that'll wrap us up for this week. Um, get out there to the game if you can down to Wollongong um, on Sunday afternoon. I know it's late p.m. Um, if not, tune in Fox, uh, on Channel 9 and then whatever local radio station. Triple M usually broadcasts a 4 o'clock game um, or ABC. Um, so get in and watch and listen, um, enjoy, and um, fingers crossed, you know, we get the rub of the green this week and and, um, and and we can rub their faces in it. And don't go out and boot Corey Norman. Come on. Uh, if Corey's you're going to be right, there, why yeah. are you booing him? Yeah, Corey's all right. <laughs> Unless it's because he's a filthy Queenslander and that's allowed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cheers, guys. I'll see you next week. See you later. Yeah, and for this week's play of the game, it was a tough one. We had two cracking choices um, with the king and the prince combining for a length of foot effort, but ultimately I went for the fan that was heard from space. Play of the game. Gutherson was on his bike and got there fairly comfortably. Marnie Martin now takes it outside his 20, attracts three defenders, gets an offload away to Marnie, they go left to Paulo. Here he goes, Paulo gets it away to Sebo, Sebo gets rid of one, he's still going, he palms off Aceford, he's still going Sebo, he's out of another one, he's only got the fullback to beat, he's got support, he gets it back to Takarangi, what a beautiful Parramatta try, oh Sebo, take a bow Pete, take a bow.